This is an In Your Ears audio production. Hello and welcome to your second Coventry Culture Show, Covcast. It's another one where we're looking back at some of the best bits of the show, plus some extra bits mixed in there as well. On this podcast, we're going to meet the lovely people from Artifolks in Coventry. We are very much of a, a Coventry grassroots group. We're going to chat with Helen McCookery book. Also made a film based on the book with Gina Birch from The Raincoats, who's one of the people that I interviewed for the book, um, called Stories from the Punks. We're going to meet Coventry photographer Mandip. Became a Royal Photographic Society photographer and at that point I realised I had to start taking things seriously. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to meet three of our featured 12 for 2019, which will be Georgia from Blindspot Theatre. Most importantly get a lot of really good feedback from audiences. It's been great. We're very pleased Leanne Wilkinson from the Belgrade Theatre. Very much getting people involved with the community and with the activities out there. And the lovely folks from Zero. I mean, this is something that is so important to most of the general public. Plus, as an extra treat, Chris Sidwell from Crocodile Tears will be giving us a track to finish off the podcast a little bit later on. It's Chris from Crocodile Tears. First, let's begin meeting the lovely people from Artifolks, right here in Coventry. Hiya, my name is Lorella from Artifolks. Hi, I'm Laura from Artifolks. And I'm Liz from Artifolks. Artifolks, you know, we've been running now for 23, 24 years coming up, I think. And uh, we do art with people with mental ill health. So we are very much of a, a Coventry grassroots group. We started off just an artist and somebody struggling with mental ill health at the time together. And uh, we've been going uh, uninterrupted since. And what we do is we run, at the beginning it was just one group, but now we run a whole programme. So it's like a stepping stone programme. You start off in our Wednesday group, so that's open access. We've made it really easy for people to sort of start off with us. They can sort of come to Hollyhead Studios, which is in the town centre, just off Spawn Street. And uh, it's there half past 12 to half past two, so people can just literally just come in. And then after a while, when they sort of know whether Artifolks is for them, whether they enjoy that, whether it's meaningful to them, uh, then we um, uh, make a move to another group. We've got um, a young people group, 18 to, well, young people, 18 to 30, young adults, I would say. Uh, It's just for people, you know, who've been really struggling to transition into adulthood and, and, and finding their feet. And then we've got another group for adults who are looking to take the next step into employment. So all in all, people can stay up to three years with us, which is a good chunk of time, I think, to help people through, you know, from being, you know, really struggling, really ill, not being able to engage, to finding the feed, finding the confidence and moving on. How do you keep a group going for so long? Because like you say, what was it, 23 years? 23 years. Oh, it's been absolute agony, I can tell you that. <laughs> but you do, you're saying that with a smile on your face. <laughs> I have to tell you, I mean, I love it and, and I still love it now. But, you know, sometimes I wish, you know, we were as small as we were at the beginning, turning over maybe two, three thousand pounds a year and that was enough. While now, you know, we are doing so much more. We're seeing between 120, 150 people a year, you know, and we really do you know, put ourselves out to help and move on and find the find confidence and find the mental health again. So it's quite intense and, you know, it can't really be done in the same way as before. Um, there's a lot of one-to-one support that we give. So now we've got at least, well, it's Liz and me working and then we've got a, a, quite a lot of sort of fabulous volunteers helping us out. So, yes, I mean, it's just one funding application after another, and that's what I mean with torture. The rest mm. is wonderful. But chasing the money, um, you know, from lottery, trusts, whatever it is, because we don't really get any money from the NHS or the city council. Because generally, you know, we are not quite mental health because we're art, but we're not quite art because we're mental health. So um, I think at the moment we're trying to sort of make it work both ways. I think it's amazing that you've you've got this service here, that you've got this opportunity here for people to get involved mm. with. Like you were saying, you're you're sort of seeing more people than you than you have before, which yes. in a, in a way is is a sad 
sign of of what's going on in the world but also the fact that there are avenues of support there that perhaps are a little bit different a little bit more unique to give people a chance to go into that's a good thing yes i think you know what we are offering is non-medical and there's quite a lot of stuff out there and i think what we are seeing is that people are really getting frustrated with the nhs because they're still hoping that they're going to be cured that they're going to be helped not to just be back on their feet but to actually feel good and you know have their mind back and that doesn't really happen because the resources are just not there. But the good thing is there is quite a lot of stuff going on in the community. The bad thing is it's really hard to find out. So, you know, kind of like, you know, coming on the culture show today for us is quite important. Hopefully people will hear about it. And, you know, we hear through our members, you know, about other things that are going on. Um, it's just one of those things, I think. We just need to kind of all talk to each other in the community and uh, help each other to find what's right for you. So we know Artifolks is not right for us everyone but there are other things out there and there is quite a lot of stuff absolutely there is so what have you been doing in here just to explain for people we're at Eaton House just by the train station in town um, you're on the first floor don't worry you can cough if you need to <laughs> don't hold it in we're just about to <laughs> We're at Eaton House next to the train station in town. Um, You guys are on the first floor here and you've got a huge space available to you, which is fantastic. Um, What sort of things can you house in here? So we run three out of the four groups here. Um, Today, uh, we're actually running the Young People's Group. And then we hold two more groups on Thursday. So, um, yes, we make art. (laughs) That's what we do here. We make art. You make art and display art. You've got some wonderful works on the wall. And the art that you're doing is sculpture, but that is painting on the wall. So the groups do different projects um, because they're a a sort of a progression-tiered process here. Each group does different projects. So, yes, the young people's groups are doing sculpture at the minute, making fantastic tabulous uh, fantasy castles um the progression group uh, which is on a thursday they are making a book their own quest journey book and then the making way group are doing paintings to think that anybody that needs support you know we can encourage them as much as we can to go and get it but to have an outlet to have a a way of expressing yourself through art can only be a good thing for those people that need that. Absolutely. I mean, the, the thing is, you know, we we all are a bit isolated these days and we do know that, you know, living in isolation, not having human contact, because we are very sociable creatures. And if you don't have that, we start feeling, I don't know, a bit down. We start wondering what the purpose of it, this all is, what are we doing here, you know? And we just feel a little bit, how to say... It just feels like pointless, nearly, you know, because we we need uh, to bounce off each other. So being able to sort of come together in anything that hasn't got the pressure to achieve, to produce something, you know, but it's just for you. But also you you are occupying your hands while you are being with other people. Because otherwise, how do we how do we make new friends? You know, you can't just sort of sit in a coffee shop and, you know, just sort of say, hey, I'm lonely. Let's talk. That's just doesn't work so joining a group is actually one of the best things that you can do if you're feeling a little bit um i don't know that you just you don't you don't have any anything anybody to play with uh, i think we all you know don't matter how old you are we need to play with each other you know and this coming here you know it allows people with mental ill health who generally would sort of feel a bit you know, that nobody really understands where they're coming from, to meet other people in the same boat. And even if you don't really necessarily talk exactly what's going on on your mind, you know that you're safe, you know that you can relax. And eventually you do start opening up and you hear other people talk. And that's when you sort of realise, actually, it's quite normal. And, you know, mental ill health creeps up on you. It's not something that you wake up one day. It's just bit by bit by bit. And mental ill health, to be honest, you know, it's not a medical condition, it's a social thing. You know, we have got things that just we're not happy about. And when you've got five, 10, 15 things you're not happy about, you know, and you just don't know how to change, the problem is, you know, if you know, if you've got a problem and you can do something about it, great. But if you don't and you remain stuck with it, it can really, really get you down. And so you've got then more and more things happening and suddenly you find yourself in a place where you just cannot get up in the morning. And then if you 
you go to the doctor, you're being diagnosed with anxiety or depression. But really what it is, is it's just stuff happening in your life. And the basis, you know, we find that the foundation to it all is social isolation. So what Arty Folks mainly does is get people together. When you're together and you're creating, it's a wonderful process where we're all doing the same thing, but everybody does it differently. And so you can learn from each other, you can have a laugh with each other, but you're, in, you're inspiring each other, and that's a beautiful thing, really. If someone's listening to this thinking, that sounds a bit like me, I'm a bit on my own, I don't know what to do to get myself out of it, they think this sounds a bit interesting, what do they need to do to get involved with you guys? I mean, if they go on Facebook, you know, on Facebook our Liz always puts out the latest artwork that we do and you can see comments of uh, people who are taking part as well. So that gives you a good feel what we do. If you go on our website, it explains it a little bit more. So that's www.rt-folks.co.uk. You can find all the information on there. But really, you know, on a... On a Wednesday, half past 12 till half past 2, at Hollyhead Studios, which is uh, just off Spawn Street, um, CV1, 3AU is the postcode. You can find that. You can come any Wednesday. We run throughout the summer. We only take two weeks off over Christmas, so we don't do school holidays. We're, mental health doesn't stop just because the school's on holiday. So, you know, we're always there, and it's easy to sort of come and access us and just try it. You know, you might like it, you might not, but if you don't like it, we've got lots of other information for you to sort of I try. I think it's important just whatever is out there that you find it. And what's the future looking like for arty folks then? Is it looking more of the same? Are you expanding? Are you changing? What's it going to look like? That's a very good question <laughs> and it's always down to money you know but I think unfortunately yes but I think uh, we, we are under pressure. We are under pressure because you know like I said earlier the NHS cannot really um, help you to sort of get well, it just only can get help you sort of get back on your feet and then you have to find stuff for yourself in the community that helps you to feel good about yourself and good about life. So we are under pressure to do more. So we are looking towards that, you know, but we also have got limited capacity. I think going towards 2021, uh, we are at the moment got some ideas about perhaps having, you know, one of those empty shops in town and turning that into an active place. So not exhibition, but an active place where different artists can come and share their skills with their people in the community. So it wouldn't be a mental health place. It's just a visual arts place. I think there might be... Yeah, that'd be nice to sort of try it out and see what happens. So that will be something to look forward to, yeah. And in terms of 2021, how does that feel that it's that you're in the city where that's going to be? Is that quite a, a boost for you guys? Does it offer you any other avenues or any doors that open for you? I mean, at the moment, I mean, the vibe is just incredible, you know, absolutely love it. There's just so much going on and it's just hard to sort of get around. Uh, but I think the main thing is, you know, that there's such a feeling of, positivism in the city and Coventry I, I don't know if, if you had that experience Neil you know but Coventry's always been quite down on itself you know and so to have this you know I really do hope it's going to turn that self negative self-image around because I think feeling good about where you live is massively important you know where you feel that this is kind of good quality around you and I do hope that it's going to change it but not just for 2021 but lasting you know so but at the moment it's an amazing an amazing atmosphere in town I must it say. is what do you guys hope to to see 2021 do for the city that you work in that you potentially live in what do you want to see it do I would really love for there to be more sort of small arts groups, more for people to actually go and experience and do in the city that's arts based as well. That would be fantastic. It would be great as well for lots of small um, existing arts groups to have more coverage and be known more. I mean, there's so much in the city that actually is unknown about. So that would be fabulous if that was brought more to the surface. But I think it'd be great if it could help to include a lot more people doing creative things. I mean, that would be fabulous. I'd love that. I definitely would like to sort of see um, any art form happening all across the city in every neighbourhood to bring people together because that's what it is. We, we need something that brings us, some glue that put, brings us together and allows us to sort of share something, share time and space, you know, without, uh, you know, forcing ourselves into conversation where we can just, you know, let our hands, you know, do something. Um, so I think I would like to sort of see that and turn this kind of into a creative city where 
everybody is not just a minority or some special people over there doing it everybody can see that being creative you know is kind of that what gives you the quality of life back you know makes you feel that this is you know you're buzzing basically in your own in your own way just remind us where people can find you online uh, online on facebook uh, arty folks or on our website www.arty-folks.co.uk We'll put all the links that you need onto Facebook and Twitter. Just go and search for Coventry Culture Show. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Earlier this year, I caught up with Coventry photographer Mandip Sira, who was telling me about his start in photography. I've always sort of been interested in photography. Even from a young age, I stole my uh, father's camera. And then uh, when I got to university, I was the only guy who actually walked around with a camera, a film camera as well. And... Um, uh, all my friends would just look at me really odd um, and I never formally studied uh, at university but when I started my professional life um, in the city of London I thought I need a hobby so I picked up the camera again this time digital started playing around with it trying to figure it out and then um, moved back to Coventry and I joined the uh, Coventry College or in those days it was called City College uh-huh. two fantastic tutors there Simon Derry and Richard Pierce took me under their wing and the rest is history really they've really helped me I got my uh, sitting guild level three through them I did my HNC a couple of years uh, really really good support um, with the tutors there fantastic set of guys from there I was able to then joined the Royal Photographic Society, became a Royal Photographic Society photographer, and at that point I realised I had to start taking things seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and I was uh, quite lucky in that in that same year, um, Drapers uh, offered me uh, offered me the space for a month. I put up images of the of the city, but I did mainly black and white there. How does that feel when someone turns around and says they want to display your work? First of all, I mean, when it first happens, it feels like they're joking. You think, yeah. really? <laughs> you don't believe them. Um, and my second reaction is, uh, I actually think I know someone who's better at doing that. And they'll say, no, no, it's your images that we're looking for. And it's, it's absolutely amazing when someone picks it. Um, and I have to admit, for the last four years, I've had an image of mine displayed somewhere in the city so I was quite lucky to get um, two of my images up in the CET last year. I've displayed at, at Fargo as well. I did a full um, full exhibition of my New York images, uh, New York skylines um, and now I'm at the Belgrade now so yeah it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind and <laughs> last week on top of that uh, Visit Coventry selected one of my images to display at the tourism and tra- uh, travel show. So yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, <laughs> I should say. Good for you, and they are very Coventry. Oh yeah, I sort of challenged myself to try and find parts of Coventry, or Coventry that few people may have spotted or seen, and then try and put that, that up on the wall. And take us to the one in the middle then, the one that's been used by Visit Coventry. Yeah, so this was, um, this was just before Christmas um, in last year, actually. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd agreed to meet a friend for, for a few pre-Christmas drinks. Of course. And uh, I got into the city a little bit early during twilight, and I thought, right, I'll go for a, go for a walk around the, uh, around the cathedral. And, I, and it's always one of those things, I was always taught by, by my tutors at, at the college, always take your camera with you because you don't know what you're going to see (laughs) and that day I thought I didn't want to bring the camera but I thought I'll bring the camera you never know what I'll see and then I saw the scene the taxi pulling up on Bailey Lane just outside the cathedral and I think it was dropping someone off to go and uh, go to a choral service at the cathedral and so I just happened I happened to see it got the camera out bent down next to the wall took two shots that's the image that I caught I can see why they'd want to use it. looks a bit like um, that. looks a bit like, um, like a scene from a Mary Poppins-style film. Or, I think it's lovely. Yeah, some people have said to me it's very Harry Potter-esque. Yes, I'd go with that. <laughs> I would go with that with the cathedral and the, and the Tudor bit, absolutely. Yeah, but the, the reason why uh, Visit Coventry chose it because they said it, it, it showed the traditional old side of the city, but the future of the city of the London taxi and they said you know it married two two parts of the city together really well where can people find you online my online presence is all on my instagram so um, if you want to see my coventry images it's uh, at my coventry 2021 if you want to look at my fine art portrait and fashion work i i do uh, on a commercial basis that's at at surreal and it's the number seven so it's at surreal seven mandip thank you so much thank you very much
I have to say, Mandip was one of the nicest people I think I've ever met. His work that he had on display at the Belgrade was amazing. It's all available online. Like he said, go and have a look at his Instagram account, which is at mycoventry2021. And we're going to keep up to date with Mandip's latest offerings on the show and online. Just go and search for Coventry Culture Show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now, from Mandip, we're going to Helen McCookery book. Now, Helen was performing some gigs in Coventry at the Tin, as well as over in Leamington at Temperance Cafe. She's a fascinating woman to talk to. And I must have asked her, I don't know, two, possibly three questions in a 20 minute chat that we had. We can't bring all of it to you now, but here's a bit of what Helen had to say about her career. My name's Helen McCookery Book. I'm also known as Helen Reddington. Um, I am a musician. I was a, a punk in the 1970s and I had a band called The Chefs and then I later had a band called Helen and the Horns. I kind of retired for a long time to raise my kids and during that time I did a PhD. I became a university lecturer and that became a book called The Lost Women of Rock Music which came out in 2012. And then suddenly I started playing again as a solo artist and I've been doing that really for about, I suppose, almost 15 years now, touring all around the country. And um, during that time also made a film based on the book with Gina Birch from The Raincoats, who's one of the people that I interviewed for the book, um, called Stories from the She-Punks, Music with a Different Agenda, which is touring this year. And so am I. So it's, it's going to be a very busy year. I think this is my last quiet two weeks before I sort of launch into this kind of mad charging around the country, showing the film all over the place and actually doing a load of gigs too. So. so you're all over the shop, which is great for you at the minute. So tell me a bit then about this film that you've worked on, Helen. How did this all come to be? We showed a, a work in progress at the British Library in 2016, which we were invited to do and actually we sold it out, which was fantastic. We had no idea that we'd made something that was interesting and it had such a good reception. Um, and we took a break for a while. We interviewed some more people and... Um, we premiered it at in Hackney in November, and then we took it over to Belfast in January. We got over invited over to Belfast, um, and we took it over there. And we had it was so lovely. Everybody put on their best clothes. We we were so welcome. The guy who picked us up at the airport even made us sandwiches because we had to leave it about half past four to get to fly back to London. And he made sandwiches all wrapped up in foil it was just so lovely we're, we're sort of heading off we've been taken on by Doc and Roll and Andy Holdcroft's invited us to um show it at Leamington Spa so we're kind of um we, we're going all over the place sort of many places as we can get it to some with Doc and Roll who are um, a fantastic organization that do music documentaries so we've got a tour with them and then putting in some extra ones around the edges, you know. So we decided that we would go and interview a lot of the women that I'd interviewed in my book. Gina already had a lot of footage because she's making a film about her um, band, The Raincoats. And she'd asked a lot of the people that she interviewed just extra stuff about we being a woman in a band. So we had some stuff already. And we put that together with lots of additional stuff. We, we travelled all over the place to interview people. I went down to... Um, Sussex to interview the Dolly Mixture. We went up to Birmingham to interview Jane Munro from the Opairs. And the idea is that there's no interviewer. So you only hear from the women. There's no padding in the film whatsoever. It's just, it's completely authentic. People talking about their experiences of being in a band. So it's kind of interesting for anybody who's in a band actually for, for, for guys as well um, and also just oh it's got a massive interest for lots of people you know sort of women over the age of 50 who are interested in the stories that people have to tell about their youth it's interesting for ex-punks it's interesting for people in bands it's interesting for young women uh, I hope sort of really inspirational for young women and it lasts about I suppose, just over 45 minutes, um, and it's very intense. And somebody said to me, a young woman said, it's just great for us with short attention spans. And what I'm also loving, we have a group here who put together the Boudicca Festival, which highlights the great women working behind the scenes within festivals and within music. And something like this film only adds to that message that they're also trying to do, um, which is to get out there. If you are interested in it, it's not just a male thing to do. It's open to all. And if you love doing it, go and do it. I think it is. And actually, you mentioning that, I've just written a book about women producers and engineers, which has been 10 years in the writing. I interviewed 30 women producers and engineers all around the country and 
it's really, you know, often um, behind the scenes, people are invisible, men are as well, to be honest, but um, I don't think people realise that there's so much activity and so much respect for, for what, uh, for, for women's um, creative processes, whether they're enabling other women or um, actually sort of making the songs and music themselves. So kind of inadvertently, I've become really involved in, in and being a practitioner is really part of that as well. I've got the, the, the day before the, um, the day before the film screening, I've got a gig at the Tin, which is in Coventry. And it's really important to actually be out there doing it so that, and I produce my own stuff as well. So it's really important to be actually out there doing it so that you're putting into practice what you're researching and what you're saying and, you know, showing that you believe in it enough to actually do it yourself too. Proud to be sent to Coventry? Then celebrate the city with stickers in the Coventry Sticker Album and Sticker Packs featuring 100 landmarks and attractions from the 2021 City of Culture. Complete your album with 12 packs, one released each month for the next year. Included is a special pull-out poster to complete with seven eye-catching shinies. A spotlight is on the city and you can stick with it with the Etch and Pin Coventry Sticker Album. Welcome back to your Coventry Culture Show podcast. Neil Wilkes with you and next up... We're looking at our feature 12 for 2019. We put a call out towards the end of 2018 looking for new and interesting individuals, groups who are doing something within Coventry that we didn't know about. And as part of that feature 12, first up, Georgia from Blind Spot Theatre. We met up with her earlier in the year for a bit of a chat. Nice to be back again. It's been so long and I was just saying we've not got the CET building to play in anymore. (laughs) I know, we're still sad, we're not over it. (laughs) We're not over it at all. And the last time we saw you, I think it was at the Free For All where you met up with Morocco Dave, wasn't it? Yes, it it was indeed. That's that's very much still going. Dave is very much involved. I'm so glad to be working with Dave again. (laughs) I love him. With Mr Morocco Dave. That was a chance meeting. He was there to plug his music. You were there to talk about Blind Spot, and then bang, good things have been made since. Yes, absolutely. There you go. Another reason why we missed the CET. But, <laughs> but we're sat now outside. It's gone really noisy all of a sudden outside the Herbert Art Gallery. Before we let you go, <laughs> congratulations. You are part of our feature 12. You are featured number nine. I am, yes. We're Yay! excited. Yay, thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I love Cough Culture Show, so I'm just, I'm excited to let you know about all the other things. Well, this is it. Are. You are going to be having a busy time of it and, uh, and a an exciting time of it over the next year yes we are we've got big plans new things coming in for Coventry just excited to be really ramping it up with Blind Spot yeah loads of opportunities for people to come and get involved and get stuck in with things I'm so pleased for you because when we first met <laughs> we were walking and talking through town because the CT building oh gosh, hadn't opened yeah. at that point we were walking and talking and you were talking about all these hopes and what you wanted to achieve with it and it's like it's it's come to fruition for you oh yeah definitely it's kind of gosh when was that when did, that must have CET. been um no we were going to go into the ct but it was close was it february last year january Jeez, it might well have been Good january proof. i think it was the start very start of 2018 oh, oh my gosh well, i'm pretty chuffed now we've managed all that in a year okay <laughs> and you've met morocco dave what and more could you want dave. <laughs> yes but just what had Georgia and Blind Spot Theatre achieved in six months? And what were those plans? One of them was Scratch Night, which if you've not been to in Coventry, it's the first Wednesday of the month down at the Tin. It's a bit like an open mic, if you like. Um, They have six acts. It could be poetry. It could be stand-up comedy. It could be a piece from a play. It could be anything that people want to get just a little bit of feedback from, from the audience. Everyone hangs around afterwards, has a drink and a chat. It is a great night and a must-go-to night if you haven't been yet. Go and check out Blind Spot Theatre online. But we caught up with Georgia part way through the year to find out a little bit more about that and a little bit more about what exactly Blind Spot Theatre had going on. Welcome back. Hello. How lovely to see you. Um, And congratulations. Scratch Night is amazing. It is. It's going fantastically so far. We're really pleased. We've had a lot of really brilliant acts come through, share their work and 
most importantly get a lot of really good feedback from audiences it's been great we're very pleased with it Richard Walls tweeted on, um, I'm talking to you on Friday, he tweeted yesterday, Thursday, saying it was becoming one of the must-go-to events in Coventry. <laughs> I know he's man. got a Thank little you, bit Rich. of bias, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very nice of him to say. It's getting a really good crowd and very pleased with how it's you know, appealing to people and... It clearly isn't putting people off that things are a work in progress. Mm. And it was a really, really nice thing to see after all the nights, without exception, that you know people are willing to just get up and have a chat. And yeah. not even about the work, but just about Cov and about whatever's going on. Yeah. And it's that nice, what I was saying to you earlier, of levelling of the playing field sort of thing. It's... Like, like quite a few of the people in Cov are doing it it's that really lovely there's no us and them no. uh, and audience and artists just have an atta afterwards it's lovely yeah. and for those that don't know the first Wednesday of the month it's down at the Tin and it's an opportunity for writers to showcase their work a snippet of their work perhaps it was a right old mix of stuff yeah that's what I'm enjoying the most about it actually is just the variety because like all the opportunities that Blindspot provide, it is really open and so we've had people reading short stories, poems, um, as well as you know the sort of more standard yeah. rehearsed readings and scenes from a larger work and you know we've got um, comedy slots as well that we're wanting to fill up and we've said people who want to come and do improv or you know, anything, any kind of performance that you are working on that you just want the chance to share because you want to share it or because you love doing it or because you know it's something that you want to work on in more depth that you just want some feedback on other than scratch night how has the first six months of 2019 been for blindspot it's been brilliant yeah i mean scratch night <laughs> sounded fun. hesitant are you sure well I, I can't talk about a lot of it yet <laughs> So, <laughs> coming on to that. Yeah, the scratch nights are obviously sort of the main thing that we've been shouting about, which are going great. One of the things that have not really been able to talk about up until now is um, programmes. So we started talking about that around January time. Then we seem to have gone a bit quiet about it, but there was a lot of work being done behind closed doors for it. So... Um, for those of you who were about for the initial focus groups and research that we were doing, it was inviting artists to come and talk to us about what their concerns are in terms of business skills and administrative skills and things like that. Because through talking to the people that had already come through Blindspot, a lot of people just were not confident in those skills. Uh, because university or drama school hadn't provided them or resources weren't readily available for them to learn and it's big things that can effectively make or break your career things like registering as self-employed for one thing and marketing a show and what your insurance liabilities are things like that um, and so we've been working away at that um, we are getting our funding bids off and we've actually partnered with the Prince's Trust in Covent Warwick to carry out the research that we want to do which will be looking in more depth at those skills that people want and uh, in the end it will hopefully be uh, something that Blindspot will be offering a bit more long term. I can't say much more than say that. Say no more, <laughs> say no more. Um, but yeah, other than talking about it in detail, the rest of the year looking shiny and positive? It is. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, if this, if all the, the funding and everything goes to plan, this will take up a lot of our year, um, but hoping to be able then to have the time and the space to provide more opportunities, hopefully get some um, productions, like um, we, do, we do sort of scratch nights one night a month, but something a bit bigger so that you can have a full-length play on. Oh, you tease. Uh, I know. You tease. Sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> but I'm guessing, from your point of view, then, as someone who's interested in theatre and wanted to make theatre, 
you've had to go down the path of business, marketing, everything else that someone that goes to the theatre has no idea about all this work that's gone in. They enjoy their hour and a half, two hours watching this show, they go home. They don't necessarily know all the other steps that you've had to go through to get to that hour, hour and a half. Yeah, it's, it's everybody else working in theatre as well. We all have to do it. And that's to bring it back to the programmes stuff. That's where it becomes a problem when you don't see it and it's not talked about as much. Because then people start to think, oh, but you don't really need to learn those kinds of skills because they're not necessary. Or you can learn them anywhere else. Business skills are generic. And, and that has been said to me by like, people who have been doing this for a long time and people who are still studying and yeah when you don't see that those business skills are a part of it you don't realize that they need to be picked up and when you don't have the very loud demand for that they're not offered uh, and so it, it just sort of goes in a circle and it's not helpful to anybody coming up now as an emerging artist and so that's why we want to kind of bring that out of the blind spot look how you've done that there <laughs> it's been uh, lovely to catch up as always scratch night is the first wednesday of every month if you haven't yet been or seen it it's i'm not just saying it because you're here we've genuinely fallen in love with this night of accessible theater performance do you know what? It's just a good night out and it's only three quid. It is. Come on. Three quid, a pint, half eight at the tin. <laughs> see you there. We'll see you there. Um, have a good rest of the year. We're obviously going to keep in touch with you anyway. Um, always a pleasure. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, Neil. It is genuinely so lovely to chat with someone who is working so hard to achieve things, not just for herself, but to give other people opportunities as well. She's brilliant. Georgia at Blindspot Theatre. All the details you need about Blindspot Theatre can be found online. Just go and search for Coventry Culture Show on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and you'll find it all on there. Plus, it's always good to catch up in a rather noisy, bustling drapers in Coventry. Now, another one of our featured artists for 2019 is Leanne Wilkinson. And Leanne is a theatre producer at the Belgrade Theatre. And I caught up with Leanne at the Belgrade Theatre as they'd flung open the doors to the public for their community partnership week. Isn't it fabulous that you're, when you think of a job in theatre or working in theatre, you wouldn't necessarily think of days like this? No, it's one of those where we've really um, had a think recently about um, what we mean as the Belgrade Theatre as a venue. Um, and it's great having days like this where it's not just theatre on stage, it's very much getting people involved with the community and with the activities out there. Which is fabulous. And other than this week, you've had a very busy 2019 so far. <laughs> Indeed. So we wrapped up Under the Umbrella, which was um, a show that took place in March uh, in Coventry and then went on tour uh, to Liverpool, to Paul and to London. Um, it was met with some really nice reviews and really good um, comments around it. Um, and it was really great seeing um, seeing East Asian faces and East Asian East Asian stories on stage um, and particularly with the run-up of uh, City of Culture. Um, really exciting to see these new stories um, being developed on our stages. So it's fantastic to see the stories being told and the voices from different cultures around the world and perhaps those that haven't been tapped into much before in terms of theatre. I think it's there is a real awareness in the theatre industry and in fact um, quite a few of the um, arts industries that um, it's not just the stories we tell, it's also the people who tell them, the producers, the writers, the actors, the technical teams. The, the real need for those people to reflect the society we're performing to. Um, it's very much a real, it's a real drive for us to be finding new stories to tell um, and to really find that connectivity between um, between societies and between us as people. Um, to find something that ultimately um, we that teaches us something new, something unexpected, but also is entertaining. Absolutely it is. And reflecting life around the world for somebody somewhere gives you that connection to another human being. Certainly. And it's something as well where it's not, um, it's not a different culture for different cultures' sake. It's very much new 
beliefs, new understandings and um, new ways of thinking. So that has been the first six months of the year. What's the next six months looking like for you? Um, So it's very much on the lead up to new shows and new um, new projects. At the moment in the theatre, we're already thinking about Panto. We've got <laughs> Puss in Boots coming um, in November 2019 um, and looking at um, our new season coming up as well. So we've got My Beautiful Laundrette, um, which is an ad- adaptation of the film. It's in co-production with um, Lester Curve and... Um, it should be a really, really fun, really vibrant play. We also have a new adaptation of Frankenstein. I think it's going to be one which does interrogate the story as well. It's a new, it's a new take on the story. I like that, that you can take these stories that pretty much everyone will have heard of in some way, shape or form, whether it's a book or a film or whatever, and give it a slightly new, a new look at it. I quite like that. I love how... Tra- how stories transcend and every every time you look back on it you really think about where we are at this moment whether it's as a city or as an individual um and what the zeitgeist is and these stories particularly with Frankenstein it is such a classic it's about humanity it's one which you really can look on with different eyes each time um, and really pick out something new. We'll catch up with you again about all things theatre down at the Belgrade. People can go and have a look online, belgrade.co.uk, for tickets and stuff. Indeed, indeed. So um, we've got our website um, that we always um, upload new shows um, and what's coming up. But you can also come visit us at at the box office um, at the Belgrade Theatre or um, give us a call. Thank you, Leanne. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Neil. And from Leanne Wilkinson at the Belgrade Theatre, we go to Charlie from Zero. Oh, and Charlie's son as well, who was trying to get in on the broadcast. We start with Charlie telling us a little bit about Zero, what it is and where the idea came from. Zero was something that began in 2018 and it started with myself and my friend Marisa uh, being frustrated with the amount of plastic packaging on so many of our everyday goods. We decided to set up a mobile shop where we could provide items that were usually always packaged in plastic, either plastic or package-free, and we had a fantastic response from the community. Which is amazing, and we were just talking, we've been talking for ages about it, but it's at a time when, number one, it's needed, number two, it is being highlighted from different parts, we talked about Blue Planet, sort of highlighted it in a big way last year. We were also saying it's a bit sad that it's needing to come down to members of the public trying to do that work, and it's not sort of being done on a bigger, larger... Absolutely, I mean, this is something that is so important to most of the general public um a recent survey said that 88 percent of people who'd seen blue planet 2 actually therefore tried to change their habits in regard to their single-use plastics and there are some options out there you know you can um buy things like reusable cups and bottles quite readily but it comes down to those items that are bought for um, holding things like pasta or rice or dried fruits, for example, and used for literally a matter of minutes. It's used to store it in your cupboard and then it's thrown away. Um, And those are the kinds of plastics which generally aren't recyclable. There are lots of different packaging packaging items that are recyclable and it's brilliant that there are initiatives out there from people like the uh, non-eating crisp packet recycling that are, are putting a provision in place for people to pass those back. But there is still so much of it that isn't recyclable or hasn't got a value on it to be recycled. And we need to start thinking more and more about where it's going to end up. And one thing we were talking about as well a minute ago is as much as you're aiming for zero plastic, you're not telling people or sort of asking people to live plastic free completely. It's about making small changes from the start which have an impact almost straight away. Definitely. It's all about small sustainable changes. I think if you try and overhaul your life um, regarding your approach to plastic all in one go, you just end up overwhelmed, you overthink it. Um, You're going to try and make too many changes at once and it's going to be too big a change to your daily routine. So what we're about is helping people just make small changes, you know, switching from shampoo in a plastic bottle to a shampoo bar or instead of buying their plastic, uh, buying their pasta in a plastic non-recyclable packet, coming to fill up a container that they've already got, whatever that container is made of. It doesn't have to be a fancy glass jar. It could just be a 
takeaway tub that you've washed out yourself. Um, and we feel that if people can make those changes on a daily basis or a weekly basis as, as part of their shopping habits and their the things that they consume, that it can add up to a really big improvement and it can have a positive impact on the environment. So in terms of zero then, you've got three permanent spots, haven't you? That's right, yeah. We've got a spot at Binley Woods in a lovely place called Turnips Cafe, which is a real asset to the local community. We've got a spot in The Nest, which is in Rugby City Centre, Rugby Town Centre on the High Street. And we've also got a spot which is in Harbury, which is just a few miles from Leamington. That's in the local supermarket and post office. And we're so pleased to be supporting these businesses because actually it's a bit of a win-win for both of us. It means that we can make plastic-free more local for people that live nearby. Um, And also it means that there's a bit of a boost to their business as well, which we're delighted about. What's the, the, the thought then? Is it to make it even more local by having more of them in the same region? Or what are you thinking? I think that's a brilliant question. And that's not necessarily even something that Marisa and I know the answer to just yet. Since we started as a mobile shop in October, we were so overwhelmed by people who would travel to come and find us. And we think that's fantastic. I think everyone knows that's not something that you can necessarily make part of your weekly or monthly routine. We've been lucky that places have actually approached us and said, this is something that we want locally. I've got a space for it. Will you please come here and be here and just come and restock it and provide for us but whether that will continue to grow or whether it will go in a different direction I don't know Um, something we really really are keen to get involved in is our supply chain more and more so whether we will look at making manufacturers to make changes and then being able to pass those products on to other people doing a similar venture to us or um, we would love to obviously open more spots for zero the only thing is that does take quite a bit of investment in terms of like the scales and the setup and the stock so it's not something that we could do like you know opening a new spot every week for example we're not we're not tesco express and we don't want to be either and as well as asking people who are listening and you know the public at home to do what they can do you're also working with schools as well that's right so as part of uh, plastic free coventry there's an eco schools um, project it's where you get an eco committee together in your school and you work together to see what changes the school can make the school that marisa and i work with have, have just started on this a few weeks ago and we've been completely bowled over by how enthusiastic the kids are um they're just so involved already they're so excited i feel like because of their age they can almost make that thought process to the future a little bit more easily maybe than we as adults can Um, and even something like a litter pick of the school grounds they were just buzzing and loving it and I just hope that that kind of attitude can continue and as they grow they're going to be part of this generation that's going to make small changes and maybe give a little bit more care to the environment Um, and then we'll see a global difference. We can only hope. We're going to follow you throughout 2019 anyway, but where can people find you online? Our website is www.zerostore.co.uk and you can find loads of information on there about our products, our prices, where to find us and so on. Um, And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at zerostore.uk. Proud to be sent to Coventry? Then celebrate the city with stickers in the Coventry Sticker Album and Sticker Packs featuring 100 landmarks and attractions from the 2021 City of Culture. Complete your album with 12 packs, one released each month for the next year. Included is a special pull-out poster to complete with seven eye-catching shinies. A spotlight is on the city and you can stick with it with the Etch and Pin Coventry Sticker Album. Neil Wilkes with you on your Coventry Culture Show podcast or your Covcast if you will and as we approach the end of this episode two of the podcast let's stop for a bit of music now we like local music and we support it as much as we humanly possibly can both on the radio online and now here on the podcast as well and someone who we enjoyed having on the show was Chris Sidwell we went for a special show at Coventry's Music Museum and Chris was there and he performed the following for us I'd like to play you a song off the new album. The new album that we're working on, it's called Old School. Uh, again, 
The spelling's a bit of a problem. S-K-O-O-L. I'm told by uh, the kids that uh, it means cool. Well, school when I went to uh, school was never cool. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's got, so it's called Old School. Uh, this, this song is called Yoko, and it's fitting that I'm actually sat here at the Music Museum on the peace chair, John Lennon's peace chair. But this is a, a song called Yoko. Crocodile Tears album Old School is available now. All the details you need are online. Just go and search for Coventry Culture Show. Thank you so much to Chris Sidwell, to Helen McCookery Book, to Mandip, to Artifolks, to Georgia, to Zero, to Leanne Wilkinson, to everybody who has been involved in this, the second episode of the Coventry Culture Show podcast, or your Covcast, if you will. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to have you join us for this. We're back again for a very special third episode focusing on just one of the crown jewels of Coventry. I'm saying no more than that. You'll find out in the next few weeks. Subscribe, download, like us as much as you possibly can. Let everyone know that we're here. Coventry Culture Show, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. That was an In Your Ears audio production 2019.